Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Cartavera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. Today, we are back to talk about accountability. This is episode 17, and the title of the program today is Put Down the Stick, Self-Accountability and Foundations of Trust. Craig and I are going to talk today more about accountability and how do you build a culture of accountability in your team and your organization. We're going to talk more about some of the accountability blind spots that get in the way of creating that self-accountable world that we all desire. We're going to talk about the importance of being vulnerable as a leader and a manager when you want to create a self-accountability culture and that leaders and managers have to go first with self-accountability. And most important, we're going to actually walk you through the process, what I call the formula for stickless accountability. It's a supportive accountability process that invites people into a process and an approach and a mindset of self-accountability. So get ready to be uncomfortable. Accountability and particularly self-accountability is uncomfortable, and that's why it works. So get ready to find a way to create a culture with your team and your organization that will help you more consistently and predictably execute and achieve your desired outcomes. Today is going to be a little longer episode, and the reason is simple. There's so much juice here. We want to give it all to you in one place. So sit back, prepare yourself for a bit of a fire hose on accountability, more particularly self-accountability. podcast where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. Welcome, everybody, to a discussion on accountability. For me, this is one of those things that can oftentimes be uncomfortable because maybe I just haven't figured it all out yet. After our last discussion, Jeff and I had, a, had an interesting talk about accountability. And of course, Jeff has a, a lot of experience helping other people be accountable, teaching teams, coaching different companies about accountability and how that can improve the culture, improve the results and not be so onerous. And so Jeff's going to be sharing today with us about some of the things that he's learned over the years in using accountability as a key part of your corporate culture to make it something where you are building a performance culture that's something that people have to hold themselves accountable and it makes it so much easier for us as leaders because we're not having to micromanage people. So, Jeff, tell us a little bit more about accountability and get us, get us kicked off here. Well, you know, we're going to, you know, the last conversation we talked about like an overview of accountability. We got pretty deep into it about what doesn't work. The last episode was a lot about what doesn't work and the gifts of, of self-accountability. And I realized between sessions that one of the challenges around self-accountability is, no surprise, it requires vulnerability. <laughs> and we're going to talk about a way, specific way that vulnerability shows up in self-accountability. And, you know, we've had so many guests already saying 
vulnerability is the key. You know, Larry English a couple episodes ago said that vulnerability is the shortcut to trust. Yeah. So many talk about vulnerability and there's so much resistance to vulnerability because it's risky. That's, there's a level of exposure in vulnerability. So I want to set the tone today. I might've mentioned it last time, but I look at what does a self accountability culture look like? Well, it's got five elements to it. And we're going to talk about all of those a little more today. One is it's got clear commitments. And it's about that word commitment. So people are expected to and asked to, on a regular basis, make very clear commitments. So in this context, Jeff, commitments are more like promises. Is that correct? That's exactly what they are. Okay. I mean, the only other word that I find acceptable other than commitment when it comes to accountability is promise. Okay. I promise, I commit, because those two words invoke personal integrity. Awesome. Every other word is a slippery slope to avoiding any real commitment. Yeah, I'm guilty of that. I'm raising my hand. Yep. So the, the second element is we're empowering our team. We all say we want to empower our team. We're empowering our team with choices because the reality of getting things done is the reason we don't get things done that we said we're going to do when we're going to do them, there's only two. One is we overcommitted without thinking about the commitment, which often happens. And number two is we made choices that kept us from honoring the commitment. If we default to, oh, the dog ate the homework, you know, there was traffic, there was snow, all the excuses outside of ourselves, we'll never have accountability and we will not consistently execute, which is what this is about. So we're going to talk about choices. You, you use the word overcommit and yet I don't think you really mean the word commit in those cases. It's that's the term that we use for saying that we're going to do too many things. What is there a better word for that? I'd have to think of a different word because that is the word we use. And you're right. It's not actually commitments. Generally. I overbook. Overbook. It's not over promise because they're not really right. stated promises. I overlist. <laughs> I, I overplate in the sense of I put all these things on my <laughs> yeah. plate. Falling off the plate, and it's, it's the buffet because I want to be. I I believe, and this is part of leadership. I believe that what my leader or manager wants to hear from me is that I'll do it whenever they want it without right. giving it any thought. So this does really this process does raise the bar on leadership and management. Yeah, not because they're holding, but they're doing that extra work of communication. They're open vulnerable again. They're open to conversations about priorities. As we'll hear later, we do actually, even when we make commitments to what we're talking about here, we still create conflicting commitments. And then the question is, what do we do with that? Because I tell people, if you're honoring all of your commitments, you probably need to make more commitments. Because life, the life experience says we're going to have conflicts and learning what to do with that, <laughs> how we own those, how we take how we communicate through those, because things do happen. Yes. That we, no matter how much we've committed, there are situations that are going to happen, and we'll talk about examples of that. <laughs> like coronavirus. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so the, the third key prong of a self-accountability culture is we use questions, not statements. Oh, so good. As you'll hear in the process we get to in a few moments, there's not a single statement in it. And traditional holding of accountability is, let me tell you what you did wrong. Let me tell you how you screwed up. 
And I'm going to tell you, don't let this happen again. And everybody's going to nod their head and it'll happen again tomorrow. That's the baseball bat. That's the baseball bat. Okay. So we're going to use questions to help. And the reason we use questions is because leaders and managers need to depend on questions because that's how we help people learn and grow. That's how people take ownership of things by answering questions honestly, not just nodding their head at what we tell them. <laughs> well, of course, you know, that has to come with some, some trust as well, because otherwise they're, they're going to be thinking, okay, well, if I don't say yes, you know, I'm fired, I'm, I'm going to be looked on as, as something other than useful here. Well, and if someone's concerned that if they don't say yes and agree as requested, there's one of two issues going on. <laughs> and it's both are related to trust. And it's either that leader or manager's issue because they have not let it be clear that you can trust and speak up. It's okay to speak up and say no or not now. Yeah. Or that's some of the baggage they're bringing from prior employment right. situations, saying in the past, it wasn't safe to ask questions or say no. The expectation was you just nod your head and say you're going to do it even if you don't end up doing it. And then you yeah. duck and cover when you get the beating. <laughs> right. So the fourth prong, and we're going to go into all of these in more detail, is the focus is, and we used the word last time, on integrity. When we make personal commitments, we have put our integrity on the line. That's what creates the internal driver. You know, we always talk about how do we motivate our people? You don't motivate others. You can inspire them, Mm. but motivation is an inside-out job. And when people make true commitments and put their integrity on the line, now they are motivated to honor that commitment, not just because it's best for the company and the team, but it means I'm in integrity. And if I don't honor that commitment, I'm out of integrity. Yeah. That's a big deal. That's why this approach works. Yeah, and we talked the about other- impact awareness last time as far as, you know, if you don't reach the commitment that you spoke to, other people may be depending upon you as well. And, and there's so always an impact. It's a ripple effect. And there's 100% of the time there's an impact on the rest of the people around us and on myself. You know, one of the impacts we'll talk about later is when I don't honor my commitment and I have to just basically own that, it feels pretty crappy. But it doesn't feel bad because someone hit me with a bat. It's because I'm looking someone else in the eye and saying, I made a promise to you and I didn't keep it. That doesn't feel good. No. But that's that self-impact that motivates us in a good way to be more communicative about our commitments, more clear, more contemplative. Yeah. Then the last, the last prong is that the, this approach to accountability is supportive. It's not about holding accountability. And as you'll see in the process, the last question is about support. How can we support others? Mm-hmm. Not do it for them not hold them. We're going to talk about how people try and throw it back at us. It's really (laughs) fascinating how we do that. But this is about supporting our team members, which is what leaders do. Leaders' job is to support their people in their growth and their achievement of objectives. Totally agree. All right. So let's recap. Five steps to the self-accountability culture. Number one is clear commitments. Two is empower your team with choices. Three is use questions, not statements. Four, focus on integrity and understand the impact. And five is to use supportive accountability, not holding accountability. Right on. That's the secret sauce. And we're going to dig into that. But we're going to start with what I call some key accountability blind spots. Okay. Have them, 
they're human, you know, and the key to blind spots is we need others usually to help us see them. The biggest one and the hardest one for people to accept is every one of us, and that includes me, and I consider myself highly accountable, self-accountable, and I miss things all the time. Yeah. But compared to where I was, it's different. And I'm very clear when I'm making a commitment and when I'm not. That's one of the discernments we want to get into is this is a commitment. I'm clearly choosing not to make a commitment here because maybe I don't have enough information. I'm not sure when I can get to it. But here's the big one. We don't want to be accountable. Huh. Yes. That's the voice. And it's, we don't want to say that out loud. I don't want to say that out loud. It sounds terrible. But the thing is, it's true. And that's what trips us up. Because every one of us, as accountable as you want to be and as accountable as you are, there's a voice in your head that says, I don't really want to be accountable because it's hard. I can't, if I'm accountable, I can't blame anybody else. I can't be the victim. I can't use excuses. I can't talk about anything except me. There is no discussion whatsoever except me. Now, there are extreme examples, but they're really extreme. So a quick example is if I, if I commit to meeting you for coffee at 8 o'clock in the morning, Craig, and there's some traffic, so I'm late. Traffic's not the reason I'm late, and we're going to get into that. We all think it is. It really wasn't. I didn't leave in time. Now, right, if right. there's an accident and I'm in the hospital in a coma, now I got an out. That's the extreme I'm talking about of outside circumstances. So just remember this, because what I have come to find is that the things that are kind of in our unconscious are what trips us up. And just trust me on this. It's hard to accept. Every one of you has a still small voice, some a louder voice than others that says, I don't want to be accountable. Because here's what it means. I've had these situations. Craig, you have. You've made a commitment to something and you sit there and you go, oh my gosh, I committed to have this done by eight o'clock tomorrow morning. It's midnight. I'm exhausted. I don't want to do this. There's no question. I do not want to do this. What I want to do is I want to go to bed and get some sleep, but I made a commitment. Wow, so it sounds I, like last night. I stayed up till 2.30 making sure that we had the, the pieces of the website done. Well, those are the examples. It's not easy. Our self-accountability is not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. And that's the blind spot. We we tend to avoid it. So let's be aware of our the part of us that wants to avoid it. And the other tricky one is, this is the phrase I mentioned last time, covert contract. So a covert contract, and you've, you've probably seen it throughout your organization. You just didn't know what it was. And it looks like this. So let's say that I've made a commitment and Craig, you're my manager. And we're going to do the traditional holding accountability. I Jeff, come why didn't you get this done? Exactly. Why didn't I get this done? I give you all the excuses and you either in a nice way or a crappy way say, don't let this happen again. Baseball bat. And what happens in the next, within the next couple of days? Oh, it happens again. And yep. you give the exact same speech and I nod my head the exact same way and nothing changes. It's just the same speech over and over. It is true insanity. And then the group is watching this saying, well, I really don't want to get hit by the bat, but you know, there's no real consequence. <laughs> right. Because we're just going to keep having this conversation. So here's the covert contract. In that case, 
Craig, you're the one creating the covert contract. Because what you're doing as my manager is saying, you know what, I'm not going to really make you have you be accountable because I don't want to be accountable either. Yep. And I'm going to let you off the hook. I may smack you around, but I'm really not going to create changes in behavior because tomorrow I'm the one that's going to miss out on something. And I don't want to be accountable either. So I'm going to have this little deal with you. Yeah, don't let that happen again. But we're really not going to change anything because, man, I know tomorrow this is going to happen. And you don't, you don't know you're doing it. You usually don't know you're doing it. Wow. So it just comes back to really a, a self-integrity issue on both sides. And we avoid, here's how we avoid the self-integrity piece. I don't make commitments. <laughs> well, I think I'll, I'll, I'll try to get it done by then. Exactly. It's yeah, really it, funny. Years ago, um, probably one of the first times I did a workshop on this, and I, I do these workshops, and to give you an idea, these workshops are usually four to six hours because we have to practice the process because it yeah. is a new muscle. <laughs> first time I did this workshop, there were two partners together, and we did it like on a Wednesday or Thursday, and they called me on Friday, and they left saying, this is awesome. Friday, they called me and said, oh, my God, this is harder than we thought. <laughs> they said, we just spent an hour and a half, literally an hour and a half, having a conversation with some of our team members trying to get them to make a commitment. And it took an hour and a half for them to make a commitment that was clear. Wow. And I said, well, what happened? They said, well, we wanted to, we said, when can you commit to have this to us? Which is the question. Right. And they said, well, we, we probably have it to you by Friday. <laughs> and then they kept going back and forth and then they got to well we'll, we'll do our best they kept saying we'll do our best <laughs> to get it done by friday we'll win on friday we'll do our best to get it done by three o'clock on friday they said that's not a clear commitment and these so our team members were getting so upset with us and we kept pushing them they make a clear commitment and so we said, make a commitment, make a commitment. And their next response was, okay, we commit to do our best to have a Friday. <laughs> because they had, they, they won the word. And eventually they let them struggle and they came back and said, well, the problem is well, I don't know for sure. And they said, look, that's what we need to know. When can we count on this being done for sure? Right. And they said, well, is it okay if it's Monday? Yeah, it's okay if it's Monday. And they finally <laughs> made a commitment. But he said it took an hour and a half. So the beginning of this is a slower process because yeah. it is a, it's, like, it's like saying we're going to learn to speak Spanish and here's five minutes on it. So Nine, here's, here's my time. take on that, Jeff. It's one of the phrases you came up with recently. Never give up and always surrender. <laughs> yes. And what are we surrendering? The outcomes. Yep. The outcomes. And it's, and it's worth the process. I mean, imagine the culture that you have if people actually make commitments and we know what's actually going to happen and can plan on it because people are negotiating their commitments. Wow. And that's a good word. Keep in mind that word negotiation because we're going to come back to that. Because okay. when you think about, because when we make commitments, the only way to change them is to renegotiate them. Yeah, absolutely. I just communicate about them. It's because we made you and I, if, if I make a commitment to you, you and I made the promise, but you and I came to an understanding. 
I don't get to change the deal because I changed my mind or because things changed in my life. So we're going to talk about that. That's one of the other ways. Another phrase to keep in mind with accountability is how we are slippery. And so this moves over to the commitment side that people think they make commitments all day long, but they're not. And that's why I say you've got to use the word commitment or promise because the rest of our words are slippery. We, it's like this, someone asks you to do something, you say, sure, okay, absolutely, uh, yeah, I got it, I'm on it, don't I'll worry, try. I'll take care of it. <laughs> uh, and the, we, those are the throwaway words because they're not really a, cl- a commitment. And when I do this in workshops, I'll go around the audience and walk up to someone and say, um, hey, Jane, come into my office, I would like to talk to you about making a commitment. Said, how does that feel when you hear that? She said, I just got nervous. And I said, why? Said, because when you said the word commitment, it's like my spine stiffens. This is something serious that's coming, even if it's about a little thing. Yeah. Because if you think culturally, we don't use the word commitment. We talk about committed relationships. We talk about being committed to an institution. It's not part of our vernacular. We don't use the word commitment. Yeah, it's a right, foreign right. word. It's a foreign language, but that's what brings so much clarity to the process. So we're going to get away from slipperiness, and we'll see some examples of this as we go along. Well, here, here's another thought, Jeff. I, I see this all the time in movies and TV, and you know, frankly, a lot of people will say it as well. Oh, I promise I'll take care of you. There's no way that they can promise that, right? They're telling their kid, I promise, you know, this, that, and the other. And they have no control over the situation. You yeah. know, so we, we make these promises, and I'm using air quotes here, that, that are really not much. And all that does is helps people to understand that they can't trust you. Well, and that's the bottom line here. The, bre- the biggest breaker of trust in any situation, any team dynamic, any group, any relationship, is not doing what you say you're going to do. Yeah. That's the biggest trust breaker. And that's that impact that we have when we're not accountable and we don't do what we say we're going to do, but we rarely acknowledge it because we don't want to believe that that's a trust issue because we all want to be trusted. Yeah. And the thing is, I think you, you know, you can have 10 times of doing, of meeting your commitments and you have that one time that you don't and man, it just, it just brings you right back down. So important to be consistent. Well, and it, it, it can be a bump, right? Because if you've got, if you're a person who consistently honors your commitments yeah, and, and you generally hit them because we are human, right? and then you miss one, it's going to be okay in a trust matter, especially if you own it. And that's the vulnerability piece. Yes, right. When you hold yourself accountable and you run through the process, and we're going to talk about the process again, but you're the one that steps up and says, I made a commitment. I didn't honor you. Right, you go through the process. Your team says, "Wow, I trust that person. They just told the truth." Now, if you never honor your commitments and you keep running the process, that doesn't work either. You've got to have a mix of doing it most of the time and holding yourself accountable when you don't. So we, you can have. You don't have to be perfect at this around trust, but if you've got a history of not doing what you say you're going to do you've got to build trust with quite a good runway of doing it and set yourself up for success by being really cautious about how you make your commitments. As you and I have 
gone through this process, we've both seen how we do the setup. Oh yeah, I'll do that by this. And if you look back later, was that likely to happen? Yeah, no. <laughs> because we're used to promising big and failing big. That's yeah. what we did. It's a cultural norm. That's why it's a challenge to shift gears. And a big part is we believe, we've been led to believe and come to believe culturally that the best answer is yes. And it's not. The best answer is what's, what can I commit to that will actually happen? Yeah, absolutely. And honoring the implied commitments that we have with each other as well. Well, we do have implied commitments. That's something to keep in mind. For example, I would give you a very clear life example. In a romantic relationship, whether it's a committed relationship, if it's a marriage, whatever the situation is, I would say in most of those cases, if not all of them, there's at least an implied commitment to fidelity. Yep. Now, it's funny about that because not everybody has made an explicit commitment. If you think about it, hmm. a lot of people don't actually talk about that, and that's okay. That's a pretty strong implied commitment. You know, it's pretty, it'd be pretty, in my mind, it's not really an integrity to say, well, I never really told her I wouldn't do that. Really? Never really told her. And so that just feels really, that's really slippery. So we do have implied commitments. We have, Think about your, um, your kids. We have implied commitments to our kids. We're going to keep them safe. We're going we're gonna to protect them. We're going to keep them fed and sheltered. Yep. Not, we may not have ever sat down with our kids and told them that, but that's a pretty strong implied commitment. And when we don't honor it, we know how we feel about that. Yeah. And that's that personal impact. And we got to assess, you know, what other things got in the way? What other choices did I make that kept me from doing that? So those, I want to focus on the, the conscious and overt commitments today, but recognize we do have implied commitments. But see, that can get slippery, especially in the workplace. Yes. Because in the personal relationships in the family, that's where I see more of the implied commitments mattering. But in the workplace, I don't like implied commitments. Agreed. Because that, that right now, it just got slippery. Well, it all comes back to expectations. You know, if, if I don't tell you what my expectations are, then you can't meet them. Well, and that's a conversation that often doesn't happen and we need to have it. Yeah. And what I find is we're afraid to have conversations about expectations. And the reason we're afraid is because that's a vulnerability as well. Wow. Oh my gosh, what if we don't agree? What if, uh, I think, what if I think the expectation is 24-hour response and they want it in two hours or less? Right. You know, I, it's, a, it's a vulnerability piece around is the reason we don't make ex, set expectations well and don't make clear commitments. It's funny though, it's a setup because I don't wanna make clear commitments because I don't wanna get beat up, but I also don't like getting beat up and I don't wanna make commitments because then I might actually have to do it. <laughs> right. So let's talk about what I call four accountability realities that we need to keep in mind when we're looking to build a culture of self-accountability, starting with ourselves. And these are gonna be hard to hear, I'm gonna tell you right now. The first one is people cannot be accountable for what you tell them to do. Hmm. Let me tell you again, people cannot be accountable for what you tell them to do. But that seems like what everybody thinks accountability is. 
that's why it doesn't work. <laughs> okay. That's exactly why it doesn't work because what they can be, and I, I'm not mincing words, I'm being clear. Sure. They can be responsible because if you tell me to do something and I nod my head, I'm now responsible, but I'm going to argue that I'm not accountable because accountability is when I make a commitment, put my integrity on the line. Let's be really clear. Accountability can only exist when it comes to integrity. And when we talk about things we control, that's part of our setup. This isn't one of the realities. This is the way we set ourselves up. We make, well, we don't make commitments. We'll do, yeah, sure, I'll got it. But it's a complete setup. And let me give you the simplest example. Craig, you and I are, we were just talking about beta, gamma, sigma. Mm -hmm. Let's imagine, and following up with them, and let's imagine you say, I say, when are you going to get back to them? You say, um, I commit, use the great language, I commit to talk to them by Friday, this week. So that means I can send them an email and that's good enough, or that I actually have a conversation with them, which I don't control. It, well, and to me, talk means a conversation. You right. don't control it. Complete setup. Yep. You cannot commit to me that you will talk to them on Friday because you don't know their schedule. Right. So what you can say is today happens to be a Wednesday. You can say, I commit to calling them by the end of the day today, and I will follow up this week. My goal is to actually talk to them by Friday, and I'll do whatever it takes to make that happen. Now, whatever it takes is individual. I will tell you this, for me, if that's exactly what you say, so the commitment was to call them today. The goal is to talk to them by Friday we haven't gotten into the times and that's okay right now. And your, your goal is to talk to them by Friday. If we come to Friday evening and I say, Craig, have you talked to them? And you say, no. And I say, well, what did you try to reach them? And you say, well, I called them on Wednesday and left them a voicemail. They haven't called me back. That doesn't feel like whatever it takes. No. In fact, there's a really good book that talks about this. It's called The Go-Getter by Peter Kine. And he talks about this, he gives this test to anybody who's going to be a partner. It's this blue, blue vase test. And he sets all sorts of barriers to get in the way of the person actually getting it done. And I'll, I'll let you read the book. It is, it is a really good story. Well, so in that example is, I don't know what whatever it takes is, but for me, it probably means I left them a voicemail on Wednesday. I've sent them three <laughs> emails. I've called them on their mobile phone. I've sent them some texts. That sounds like someone who's really doing everything they can. That you honor the first commitment, and the yeah. part you don't control, you're doing your best to make that happen. I'd say that there's another step. You know, you take a flight out there, and you're camped out in front of them so that when they come out of the building, you're there. I mean, you know, well, whatever on, it takes is whatever it takes. Well, and that depends on the priority we give it. So, for example, right. I'm pretty clear that if this were related to my child's health, I would get on a plane and be outside the doctor's door to get that done. Right. I might not do that because I want to get a proposal back from someone. So I will do almost whatever it will take. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Whatever it takes means that literally, but we still make choices in that. And we're going to talk about choices. Yeah. So yeah. as hard as to hear, people cannot be accountable for when you tell them to do things. Right. The second one, we just alluded to it. This is the setup. People cannot be accountable for outcomes. Ooh, that's a big one. Lest they fully control it. And what happens is, think about in sales. This is where I think sales managers are missing it. 
They'll set goals for people, by the way, without interaction with the team member. I totally think that's wrong. So stupid. There's no conversation. And there's a lot of distrust in that. And when they do have a conversation, a lot of times the salespeople will try and sandbag. It's a trust issue. But when the sales manager says to someone, your goal is 100,000 units a month, you didn't hit it, and then says you're not accountable, that's, hard. that's not fair. Because they can't make a commitment to that, which is why I think in sales, it is so vital to focus on the goals, but also what are the action commitments that feed those goals? Because those I can be accountable for. I can be accountable for making 15 calls a day. I can be accountable for committing to five meetings a week. Even though I don't control those people, I may make schedule, try and schedule 10 to make sure I have five. Right. So the commitments relate to things I can guarantee I can do because I control them. And I think it's really important as we look at that sales, you know, that is a very clear process because it's all about numbers, right? We have so many contacts. We have so many people we're meeting, so many calls, so many emails, presentations, whatever those things are. We know what those numbers are. And over time, we start understanding what that sales funnel looks like. We start understanding 10 contacts is going to lead to two meetings is going to lead to one sale, something like that. And now if you have a team of salespeople, you can start seeing, you know, who's doing better than average, who's doing worse than average. And then you can start fine tuning in there. But if we're just saying you have to have this many sales, they have to think about what, the, what it's going to take to get there. And there has to be some collaborative planning in making sure that that happens. Well, without the clarity on the steps, there's no way to improve because right. those conversations say you didn't hit your goals. Uh, what should I do? You need to work harder. You need to do more. <laughs> do more of what? It's so not helpful. But when you look at the, if, you, if you've done some tracking and you may not have perfect numbers, but if you have some data that says these are the typical numbers and someone does those, now we know that they need to change how they're doing it. Right. Because they're doing the numbers, but they're not getting the objective. So we're going to figure out what training do you need? Exactly. So this is back to we're working together. We're trying. The goal here is to do what? Everyone succeeds. Right. We're not trying to set people up to fail. We're not accountable for outcomes. We can be responsible. And note those words are different. They matter because accountability is integrity. Responsibility is other. And I want to focus on the integrity side. Okay. So the third one is goals and plans are not the same as commitments. I talk to so many organizations that say, we have all sorts of goals. We have all sorts of plans. Therefore, we're an accountable organization. <laughs> nope. It's really simple. Accountability means you consistently and predictably do what you say you're going to do individually and collectively. Not perfectly, but consistently and predictably. Now, if you do that, trust me, you will hit your plans and goals more consistently, but having plans and goals doesn't make you accountable and they're not the same as commitments. Yeah. And so the last one is, and you and I alluded to it a moment ago, integrity is not negotiable because it's a commitment and a promise that the other person accepts. If you say to me, when can you commit to have this website content done? And I say, I commit to having it by three o'clock on Thursday. You say, okay, there, there's now an, an agreement. I committed and you said, that's good for me. That works. 
So here's what doesn't work. So this is Wednesday and I just committed to three o'clock tomorrow, but here's what we do. First of all, we don't make commitments, but even if we do, it looks like this. Tomorrow at two, I send you an email saying, hey, Craig, some things came up. I'm not gonna be able to get this to you by three o'clock. I'll have it to you by Friday at noon. You just broke trust? I broke trust because you didn't agree to that. I made a commitment. I don't get to change the deal unilaterally. <laughs> now, wow. what a lot of people do is, and here's where, you know, I gave the best example. A lot of people do this. I committed to three o'clock on Thursday and they, I email you at five o'clock on Thursday and say, yeah, I didn't get that done. Now, now you're even past. You're already out of account. You're out of integrity. But my point is, it's not a one-sided negotiation. And this is where it's important. As soon as I realize there's an issue in getting this done, it's a matter of courtesy and respect to reach out to you and talk to you about it. As soon as you know that that's going to be. As soon as I know. So I can say on Wednesday night, I said, Craig, I expected to work on this today. And this is the language I want to hear. You know, I made some choices today. I chose to do these things instead. As a result, I'm not going to, I don't believe I'm going to get this done. I have to be with a client tomorrow. Let's talk about, can we talk about renegotiating my commitment? Mm. Now, at that point, you might say, okay, let's talk about that. You might say, actually, Jeff, I need it at three o'clock on Thursday because I'm getting on a plane and I need to have this in hand, or I've got a meeting at 3.30. So it's not negotiable. What's going to happen? And I may then, I may say, screw you. Or I'm, if I'm an accountable person, I'm going to say, okay, I, I'll stay up late tonight. I'll, I'll make or it I'll happen. Cancel a meeting or, you know, do whatever you have to do. But notice there's communication happening right. here. The point here is integrity is non-negotiable and it's certainly not unilaterally changeable, but well, that's I think there's, the culture we live in. Yeah. And I think there's another piece here, Jeff, you, you talk about, okay, well, I committed to three o'clock, but then, you know, it may be five o'clock that I, I email you back. Frankly, and, and I know that I've been guilty of this before, I've maybe just not communicated at all, hoping that they forgot about the commitment. Exactly. And that's not who I want to be though. I'm, uncomfortably enjoying this discussion. How's that? <laughs> well, that's the thing. We, we don't. We want to avoid that because that's why self-accountability is hard. When I first started looking at this and learning this, I really came into that thinking I was one of the most accountable people I knew. And I got done and went, oh, wow, I'm not making commitments and I'm not honoring many of them. <laughs> you know, I hit deadlines, yeah. external deadlines really well. And that's the other thing real quick, hitting external deadlines does not make you accountable. It just means you're a deadline hitter. And many organizations huh. who are driven by external deadlines, internally it's chaos, internally their relationships are terrible, they don't uh, communicate well, it's, it can get nasty, there's a lot of beatdowns going on, there's just pressure all the time, but we hit the deadline. So CPAs, filing taxes, clear deadlines. Um, lawyers have deadlines with court if they, you know, they've got to hit it or not, or their client's rights are lost. Construction industry, they have to have proposals in by a certain date and time. They may not miss deadlines. And what I found is many, 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 if not most of them are not really very accountable, but they still somehow through the chaos and the nastiness and the yelling and screaming get the deadlines. Wow. 
That doesn't sound like a fun place to work. That's the thing though. It's become the norm. Yeah. But you know, there, it's like, we've, we've talked to so many different people on our podcast and so many have said, you know, I I worked in a soul sucking job. That's we can almost quote that word for several people. And it's like Larry English said, you know, I wanted to create something different. And then he created centric consulting. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. The Impact Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Cartavera. Cartavera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, resources, events, and a community to help you grow. At Cartavera, we believe that you can't grow a business bigger than you, that your company is limited by your growth. We blend personal growth with leadership, team, and business growth to give you a single place to grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. You can find out more at cartavera.com. Welcome back. So how do we do this, Jeff? How do we actually make this thing work? Yeah. So the one piece I want to share before we do the formula is, I mentioned this word before, this is all about choices. You're going to see choices show up in the process. And we are excuse makers. And the biggest excuse maker we use is time. We said on the last episode, the, most, the question we don't ever want to ask someone is, why didn't you do what you said you're going to do? Because that's the setup for every excuse in the book. I ran out of time. Something else came up. I had some priorities. The dog ate the homework, et cetera, et cetera. We tend, we love our excuses. And most people say, I'm not an excuse maker. Yes, we are. (laughs) Yes, I am. Because excuses are easier. And what happens is we do them in little ways. And then we think, well, we didn't really do them in the big ways. But trust is based upon all the little things, not just the big things. And the biggest excuse we make is time. And here's the thing. Time is never the reason. Because if time is the reason or unexpected is the reason, nothing will ever change. We'll never be consistent. Why don't you just give up and just say, hey, folks, get it done when you feel like it. And by the way, we're not that far from that. (laughs) I would say we're closer to that than really being self-accountable organizations. So let's look at how, how choices show up in this process. So the process I have named in the last episode, episode 14, we, I used the word stickless. I said stickless accountability because I was referring to the idea of the carrot and the stick. You know, we're, you're going to incentivize people to perform, which we really don't. We tend to punish them when they don't, which is the stick. So I said, well, let's have stickless accountability. And it's got some key elements. I've referenced them generally. One is it's very supportive. It's not belittling at all. It is about intended to support them. It's about accountability, not shaming. And when we do an example, we're going to have to just differentiate. So the other part, as I've said earlier, you're going to notice in this process, it's all questions, no statements. So let's look at the actual questions. And I love, actually, I don't love formulas, but I love formulas. I used to think that formulas, took away the magic. And what I'm learning is when we have really good structure around the formula, and this is a formula that you really have to use like like a script. That's the magic of it. Because as soon as you start playing with it, it got loose and it doesn't work as well. Yeah. So the first question, when we have this conversation, and by the way, we're going to come back to this, but one of the questions we have to decide is, do we do this in public or in private? Most people say when they've heard this process, oh, you got to do that in private. 
I believe that's a missed opportunity because when you do it in private, only one person learns. That's a great point. When you do it in a good way in public, everybody learns and everybody gets to see people modeling self-accountability and they get to learn about impact through others. There's an old saying that says praise in public, criticize in private. Right. Well, that assumes we're labeling it as criticism and praise versus just feedback. Okay. And, but it takes a high level of trust to do this publicly. Yeah. But how you build that trust is when the leader or manager models it for everyone, says, I'm doing it for myself, and I'm going to ask it of you too. And I'm going to ask you to do it in public because I did for the last three weeks. Right, right. This okay, is that- clearly about modeling. It right. does not about you first. It's about I'm the leader. I go first. We've had it on so many conversations. Leaders go first. Right. So the first question is, what was the agreement or commitment? Remember, it is an agreement because we both agreed to it. I'm okay with either word. What was the agreement or what was the commitment? The reason that's important is sometimes there's a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. So let's look at a quick example. Let's say that, Craig, let's look at something we're involved in. Uh, we had a conversation last week about the website, and we talked about some things you were going to create. And I remember you saying, um, you put in Monday. Now, you did not make commitments. To me, I'm very clear you did not say it would be done on Sunday. You were saying, I'm going to work on it on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Okay? But let's assume it had been a commitment. Okay. In that case, you didn't. I know you didn't. But if you had said, I commit to having these done by Sunday, I would have asked, if you said commitment, I would have asked, does that mean it's done by Sunday morning? It's done by, you know, it's essentially ready to look at on Monday morning because those are different. Yep. And why it matters is if I'm going to look at them, I'm now looking at my schedule and depending right. on your commitment to say, well, if I plan to look at them on Sunday, that's not going to work if you get them done at midnight. Right. So let's assume there was a commitment, but I say to you, here it is on Wednesday. And I say, what was the agreement? And you say, well, the agreement was I would work on them on Sunday. <laughs> I didn't commit to when that would be done. Now we stop the process. We stop the process because unless I think you're just lying, which is a whole different issue, mm-hmm. we did not have clear communication. Right. I cannot expect you to be self-accountable around integrity when that's your genuine belief that you did not make a commitment to something. Right. That's why we asked the question to find out, are we, did we miss something here? Yeah, and I would imagine over time you'll see whether somebody consistently comes up with that or not. Because they're going to reveal themselves that way. Yeah. But so just, in that case, if I thought you were genuine, I would stop the process and say, okay, this isn't an account. I would say this isn't an accountability issue. You and I need to talk about how our communication got offline. We were clearly yeah. not on the same page. Let's figure it out. Right. And next time we... And next time we, we write it down, we say, okay, this is what we're agreeing to, whatever that is. Yeah. And I, I tell you, just thinking about that, imagine if you can depend on your people. I mean, dependability is, wow, talk about grease to the skids. It is so amazing to be able to say, hey, I can depend on this person to, to do what they say they're going to do. That allows me to schedule tighter. It allows me to do the things that I need to do because I know that that's going to get done. That is an amazing employee. And think about what that phrase encapsulates. I can count on them. Yeah. Versus I can't count on them. <laughs> right. 
that's that's the black and white of this that's the there's no gray in this that this thing about self-accountability the way we're talking about there's no gray in it yeah that's why i asked the question what was the agreement so the next question is and there's two versions to this there's a short version and a long version (laughs) so now actually there's a sub question so let's say that you agree and say yeah i committed to have them done by midnight on sunday the website page right at that point i probably don't need to ask you on wednesday if they're done because i know if they're done or not right right if i'm not sure i am going to have to ask you was that done on time yeah because here's the thing if we're not talking to wednesday but they weren't done until monday Mm-hmm. We're still having accountability conversation. Yeah. Because the commitment wasn't honored, even though we didn't talk about it later. So I might have to ask. So, what was the agreement or commitment? Are we clear? Yes. Did you honor that? And I, listen to the word I used. Did you honor the commitment? Mm-hmm. That's an important word, honor. Because when you hear honor, what comes up for you? Man, this is serious. This is, this is intentional. This is serious stuff because we don't use that word. Did you honor that commitment? No, I didn't. So then the next question, remember I said choices. And this is not shaming. Well, you tell me at the end, we're going to run through an example. I don't think it is either. It's not, but it can be more uncomfortable than holding. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because it's self. It's self-reflection and someone acknowledging I'm out of integrity is a lot harder than getting beat up for not doing something you said you'd do. Yeah. It's hard. It's uncomfortable. It's emotional. Yep. The next question is, there's a short and a long version. The short version is, what did you choose to do instead? Now, let me give you the long version, and we'll talk about why we're asking this question. The longer version is, what did you choose to do instead of honoring your commitment? (laughs) Oof. Because I brought the word honor back into it. Right. What did you choose? Notice the word. This is why it's a script. What did you choose to do instead of honoring your commitment? Because there's three key, key words in there. Choose, honoring, commitment. Yeah. It's a reminder. It's a commitment. Honoring is a big deal. This is serious. And you made choices. Now, I guarantee you, early on, when you do this with others, they're going to say, I didn't choose anything. This stuff happened. And Bob gave me the project. <laughs> And my kid was in school and I didn't know this was happening. Didn't you know my kids at home were in a coronavirus pandemic? There are realities of changes around us. But here's the thing. If we can't find, if they, if we can't help our people find the choice points, nothing will be different next time. It'll be the same conversation. Something came up and choice points are hard. So the way I do it is I keep asking questions and Actually, I'll, I'll get to this when we model it, because there are going to be ways that we keep asking the question. We need to help them find a choice. So let me give you an example, real-life example. Um, a few years ago, I was doing a leadership program. It was called Whatever It Takes, and it was about learning to be more clear with our commitments. And the deal was you made commitments in three parts of your life, personal, professional, and sort of a dream, something you want to work on a big thing. Mm-hmm. And you made commitments of activities, but you also committed to not only do the activities during the week by a certain time, but by Friday, you had to call a number and leave a voicemail and go online into a spreadsheet and check a box that you did all these things. So you had to not only do the activities, 
you had to call in by a certain time, you had to leave a voicemail, and you had to go in and fill out the form by a certain date and time. If you didn't, every one of those you missed, you got a strike. And if you got three strikes, you're out of the program. So it was intense. Wow. And the first week, this guy, he was an eye surgeon. He had made a commitment to do something by Friday, end of the day on Friday. It was, that was the week ended on Friday. That's how it was set up. And he gets on and he says, I, I didn't do it. And we're going through this process. What did you choose to do instead? And he got a little arrogant. And he said, well, let me tell you what I chose to do. I had an emergency coming up on Friday, and I chose to operate on this person's eyes to help them keep their sight. And I said, wow, that sounds like a really good decision. He said, well, I thought it was. I said, but you're still out of account with us because you made an agreement with us and yourself to do this. He did not want to see that because he said, I made a good choice. And he did because this is the reality of he had conflicting commitments. He had a commitment to take care of his patient. But we asked him questions. Well, what choice might you have made differently that would have changed the outcome? And it took 10 minutes. And here's what he finally said. He kind of laughed. He said, oh, when I made this commitment, I scheduled to do it on Friday afternoon, right before the commitment time. Uh, So if anything came up, I would miss it. So the choice was he set himself up by planning to do it where there was no room for anything else. Gotcha. They said, if I had started this project on Wednesday, I could have been certain that even those interruptions wouldn't have gotten it done. Mm, that's a really good insight. So see, there's that choice point. So let me give you another example of a choice point that happens at work all the time. This is often one of those choice, choice points. I come to you and ask you for a commitment, and I say, Craig, will you, can you, when can you commit to have this to me? And you commit, I'll have it done by noon on Friday. Say, Great. Thank you. I look forward to that. Why is it always on Friday? (laughs) It's on my mind because it's Wednesday. You don't honor the commitment. And when we ask, I ask you about choices. What it turns out often is you say, you know, the biggest choice I made was when you asked me to make that commitment, that probably wasn't a good time. And what I really need to choose differently is to talk to you about it and say, you know, I might be able to get it done by Friday, but I've got a lot on my plate right now, and more realistically, it's going to be Monday. Mm-hmm. And I chose not to have that conversation. Now, there may be trust issues why they didn't, but that yeah. can be often the choice. I didn't have communication. I didn't ask enough questions. I didn't tell you the truth. I set myself up. So those are the choices they can say, next time, I want to do that differently. Wow. You know, this is such good coaching. I mean, if, if I take this back and I say, okay, if I start doing this in the work world, of course, it's going to start spilling over to my personal commitments as well. What an amazing way to live life where people can depend on you. Well, and you can add it to your language because often both in work and personally and relationally, I will use the language, you know, I'm not right now. I'm not ready to make a commitment. Because sometimes I'm not, and I'm there, but I'm intentional because I'm telling them in that communication, I know about commitments. This isn't one, and when I make one, you can count on it. Right now, I just, I'm not ready to make a commitment because maybe I haven't looked at my schedule, and sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't. Someone says, I need the commitment at work, then you have the conversation. So we need to help our people find the choice. I'm going to keep going through these, and then we're going to do an example to see how it plays out. Okay. 
Now here's the big one. These, you thought these were big. The next question, there's two parts is, what's the impact on yourself and others of you not honoring your commitment? Ouch. Yeah. This okay. is this this is definite coaching space. This is the and this is the the really painful stuff because especially if you're doing it publicly, now you're but see here's the benefit and the gift of it because what we know is every single time the thing that is important for them to see is it affected trust. Yeah, because guaranteed trust is always impacted at a minimum trust when you don't do what you say you're going to do. And having someone just acknowledge and say, wow, my guess is you can't count on me like you'd like to. You don't trust me as much. Um, the team feels like I left them down. The team feels like I don't have their back. Maybe maybe the team feels that um, I'm more important than them. My time's more important. Yeah. And in fact, I, I need to go back and clarify because I screwed up, Craig. I didn't put an important word in here. Uh-oh. Well, because I said, what's the impact? I usually add to it what might be the impact. Because the reason I say that is that sometimes we don't know the exact impact. It's too easy for someone to say, well, I don't know what the impact was. Well, mm -hmm. What might be the impact? Um, yeah. They might think I'm an arrogant jerk because they don't know that they think they're an arrogant jerk. <laughs> they might think that. So this is their way of, this is about taking ownership of our impact. Totally. This is, wow, this is, so this is the stuff. It's uncomfortable. And what's interesting is I also make sure we ask the impact on you because usually what that is for the people that are the people we want on our team, this is a revealing process too. They're going to say, I got to tell you, I don't feel great, man. I, I really feel like I let the team down. I'm sitting here answering these questions. This is not comfortable at all. And this is where some people who watch this or even participate will sometimes say, well, this is shaming. Nope. And because it's done in public. I said, no, it's not. It's not shaming. It is people making self-assessments, but it's super uncomfortable. That's why you want to label it as something bad. And it's vulnerable. And it's, it's, a, it's a coaching process. And depending on the culture of the company, there is a fantastic book that I've been reading recently called An Everyone Culture, Becoming a Deliberately Developmental organization. And that DDO concept is radical transparency and accountability just like this, where as a group, we will hold each other accountable to things. And it's not a slippery slope. Well, so the, so the impact piece here is so vital. And you notice because we're using questions, it's a chance for them to own it for yeah. themselves, to own their choices and own their impact. And then we come to the last question. The last question is, what support do you need? Now, this is where typically the person, their natural reaction is they will try and throw it back on you. And this is where we can't let that happen. So where's what often will happen? This is a very typical one in the workplace. Um, you and I are talking and you say, well, Jeff, what would be helpful to me is when you come to me to talk about a commitment, you be open to a conversation about priorities. Wow. Okay. Because that's, you're asking me to be open. That's important here because that's a key part to making better, clear commitments with accountability that we actually talk about it versus I'm telling you what to do. Right. So just notice the vulnerability in me saying, how can I support you? 
and the vulnerability to say, I'm not just going to dictate, I'm actually, I'm going to have that conversation. And now I'm making a commitment to you back. My commitment to you is to be open to that. Okay. And you know what? When I don't, I, I would like you to just, I don't like saying, call me out. Um, to talk to me about my accountability when I don't, because I'm making that commitment to you. I agree with you. That's important. So the other, another example of a support question that comes up, and this is where they try and throw it back. And this is where we can't let it happen because it becomes holding again. They say, well, you know, it'd be really helpful, Jeff, if I'm the, the manager, Jeff, it'd be really helpful if you reminded me. <laughs> I'm sorry. There are so many tools. Do you have a watch? Do you have, uh, you know, your phone? Oh my gosh. I will never let that one happen. And I've been asked that question in some different contexts, like even a, a personal commitment. People have made personal commitments to me, which are really, it's about them because they're making it to themselves. And there's a lot that's important to do self-commitments. And they'll say, well, Jeff, will you call and check in on me? And I just look him in the eye and say, actually, I won't. However, I am very open to you checking in with me. <laughs> so in the workplace, very you know, good. what does that look like? And you say, yeah, you, they say, that's a good point. Okay, so I committed to have it done next Thursday. How about if I check in with you on Monday to let you know where my progress is? That'll help assure that I'm on track. And if there's questions, say, great. You want to schedule the time? Do you want to, how are we going to do that? Are you going to do it by email or phone? Great. I'm, I'm available for you. Now you've made a commitment to do the check-in too. When are you going to check in? On Monday. Any particular time? No, I will check in with you, be, you know, by five o'clock sometime on Monday. Okay, great. Appreciate it. I'm happy to take that call. So those, that's, that's supporting them, but not um, caretaking them. Yeah, this is so important to, to look at that support. I think this is, this is one of those pieces that a lot of leaders just assume that everybody has all the resources that they need, that they know how to make decisions, that they know how to make commitments. And really, like you've said, this is a muscle that we don't test. We have not built this muscle of accountability, and it is so important. I love this process, Jeff. I think it's brilliant. In some ways, I don't know if that I, that I want to implement it, but I know it will help me to be a better person. So we're about to start implementing it in Cardivera. So that's, that's great. Thank you for sharing this. So let's do, let's do a real life example. But before I do that, I want to share one thing. I've referred to it earlier. I've alluded to it. A key to this is the leader, manager, whoever, whoever it is, models this and tells the truth on themselves. Yes. Now they have to change their behavior. So when someone says, I like this, how do we do it? I say, you start doing it. So what yeah. that would mean is, because it's going to happen. We're going to miss commitments. It's, it's a reality of life. Right. So when that happens, I walk into the room and I do it publicly. And I walk into the room and say to the whole group, so I need to check in with you. This is a language. I have to check, into you, check in with you around my accountability. So I may, it may be an individual. I may say to Craig's in the room, Craig, I committed to you to call you back and talk about this project by five o'clock yesterday. That was the agreement. I didn't honor that commitment. What I chose to do instead, and here's the thing, if I go into, uh, I, I just got distracted. No excuse. to get distracted is not the answer. Oh, by the way, here's another great one. This is a tricky one. I, I forgot. <laughs> it, you know, it could be true that you forgot. 
But if you leave it at forgot, you're going to forget things again and things won't get done because we have to find the choice. So I'm going to show you how we can get through that process. But I say, I come in and say, I told you I'd call you by last day at five. What I chose to do instead is I made several other things, higher priorities. I got caught up in a meeting. I took, a, and I may say what they are. I took a call. There was a situation uh, with my kid's school. I can feel better about that. I chose to take that call or I chose to, Steve came to me with a question yesterday. He asked for a couple minutes at the end of the day. And I know it would probably take longer, but I chose to do it. Or I took the meeting with Steve and I didn't cut him off. I did not cut him off. And that's, and I thought about it. I was sitting there saying, you know what, I'm supposed to call Craig, but I chose not to say, I can't do it right now, Steve. So I've got to own those choices. And the better I own my choices, we teach our people, oh, those are the kind of choices that we're making. And I'd say this is, and this is not just doing this with one person. This is getting your team together and saying, okay, this is, this is, this is me. I I need to fess up. This is, this is what's going on. It might be one person I, out of account with, but I'm going to do it in front of everyone. Right. Then I'm going to go to the question. And so the impact on me is I'm standing up here in front of you, owning my lack of accountability. It doesn't feel very good. This is not the leader I want to be. The impact on Steve is Steve, it's a trust issue. Steve can't count on me. I told him I would do something. I didn't do it. So our, we've got a break in our relationship. And my commitment is to keep working to do this. And the support I could use is, and I'm going to go to that. My support is, and sometimes we may not have an answer, but hopefully I can say the support is typically if I'm being self-accountable, what I'll say is I want your support in being more self-accountable. And what that looks like is when you see me out of account, I'm standing up in front of you today. There may be times that I forget to do this and I don't do this. If you see me out of account, I want you to come to me with this question. Are you open to support around accountability? Mm, wow, great question. Are you open to support around accountability? And if I say yes, then they're going to do the process with me. Imagine the kind of trust you can build when your team has been empowered to ask these questions of you. Yeah. And you say, wow. here they are. And you model it and you find those hard choices and you just step right into it. Now, they still, back to what we said before, they need to see a change in behavior. If you're never accountable and you stand up all the time, it doesn't have much effect. But when you are out of account and you step into it, you're saying, we all have permission to do this because the goal is for us all to get better, to support each other better, to trust each other more, and to consistently and predictably accomplish our objectives. Yeah, That's what business is about. Wow, that is so good, Jeff. There's a lot here. <laughs> it's going to take a lot to digest. I'll probably have to go back and listen to this several times myself. Well, let's wrap it up with this, Craig. I, you've got the process in front of you. Yeah. So I want you to run the process with me because I've got a specific thing in mind where I didn't honor a commitment and we'll walk right through it. Okay, People, let's do it. This is a real life example. Okay. So Jeff, what was, what was the agreement? What was the commitment that we had? What wasn't with you actually, Craig, it was a couple of weeks ago, I was scheduled and therefore committed to do a virtual program with an organization in Georgia at eight o'clock on a Friday morning. 
my commitment was to be on the line with them at 7.45 in the morning and do about an hour-long talk with them. Okay. And what, what did you choose to do instead? I was not on that call at all. What? I was not on that call at all. That doesn't sound like you. It's not. And uh, the choices I made, the data, which is not the choices, this is how we look at this differently. What happened, that's why we don't ask what happened. What happened was I overslept. Mm. But that's not a choice. Oversleeping is not a choice. What happened was, notice I'm differentiating happened versus this is not the choices. I overslept because I didn't set the alarm. So the typical answer would be I overslept because I forgot to set the alarm. There's no learning in that. There's nothing that that can happen tomorrow. Yeah. So the choice I made was when I went to bed, I chose to rely on my memory as to what my schedule was the next day. Oh. If I had looked at my calendar, in fact, my girlfriend asked me that night, what's your schedule like tomorrow? I didn't look. I said, I think I've got something later in the day and in the afternoon. Wow. And I don't know why it wasn't top of mind. I don't know why I didn't remember it. But the choice I made is I chose not to look at my phone, which I wonder is some, maybe some sort of arrogance yeah. that I've got this down and I don't need to look because I know my schedule the next day, for goodness sake, especially engagement. <laughs> yeah. The choice I made was to not set my, not look at my calendar, which led me to not set an alarm, which led me to oversleeping and missing that. I wow. woke up at 8.30 with a text saying, where are you? So that's a lot of story, Jeff. Um, <laughs> so what's the impact of, of that decision on yourself and others? Well, I'm sure the impact on them is a, is a huge trust issue. I yeah. committed to be something to, they had a group of people there for that call. Oh my gosh. They had, a, it was a webinar kind of thing. And so the impact is certainly on trust with them. Um, even worse than trust, they may say, who is this guy? Is he even worth listening to? Right. Told us he would be here and he wasn't here. Uh, the impact on me was, I mean, I first, I felt horrible. Yeah, I mean, I've, never done that. I've never done that in my entire life. Right. And I felt just, I felt horrible. And that feeling is not a feeling I like to have. That is not the man I want to be. That's not yeah, the I man know. I say I am. So that was so outside of myself, mm -hmm. it felt lousy, and it's not a feeling I want to have again. Wow. Well, what kind of support do you need to make sure that that doesn't happen again? Well, stepping out of character really quick, the challenge here is I'm not asking with you or anyone else because you had nothing to do with it. Right. Uh, so support would be, in this case, I went to, I did ask for support. I went to my girlfriend who I often see in the evening and said, when we talk about schedule, I would like you to encourage me to actually look at my calendar. <laughs> but wait, you just put the, the monkey on her back. Well, but the, you're correct. But here's the unique in, issue in the relationship. She often tells me not to look at my calendar because she doesn't want to know the details of my schedule. She wants ah. to know generally. So relationally and communication our communication is such that she often says, don't look at your calendar. Hmm. And I was saying, it's up to me to look, but I was falling into the habit. So that's a good question, Craig. That's a good question of whether that's me defaulting to her. 
I guess I would say there, if it's true support, I don't need any support because it's up to me to look at my calendar. That was a, a communication change with her that I asked for. Well, here's, here's a, a refinement maybe. When you tell her what's on your calendar, you should absolutely know it because you just looked at it. So therefore, you're not telling her a lie when, you, when you're telling her what your schedule is. So you can see as we are sharing this, this is that process, especially in the beginning, takes some time. Yeah. It takes some time. And back to your question earlier about is this shaming? I don't believe it is at all. I have done the workshop where people have said that felt shaming. And we talk about it because what they witness, especially in public, is they'll see how someone emotionally takes this. Right. I said, who's feeling? Why are they feeling that way? Well, because you ask them those questions. So their feelings are based upon their answers, not what I told them. Right. And whatever their feelings are, if they have no feelings, that's fine. If they have emotion, whatever it is, that's up to them. You know, the, in this situation, and this is, it was really interesting. I think it, we, we want to always make things be okay. In this case, this group was very forgiving. They said, we'll have you back. We understand. We were actually very concerned wow. about you. Mm -hmm. but, but what they said is, and this is important, because I sent them, I did start with an email. I followed up with a phone call because the call was ongoing. I sent them a text saying, do you want me to get on now? They said, no. I sent them an email and I told the truth. Mm -hmm. I didn't say, see, that's the thing. I didn't say something came up. I told them the truth. I did, I did not set my alarm. I overslept. And I didn't look at my calendar. And I said, I chose not to look at my calendar. And I said, I am sorry, but I know that my sorry is not enough because this had an impact on you. Right. And I'm sure this has an impact of trust, not only in today, but going forward. So I, I ran the process in the email. Mm -hmm. And what I believe happens is this is where we can minimize the trust damage or reinforce it because their response was kind, but it was also, they said, we're glad you're okay. And we really appreciate your honesty and your humility. Yeah. Because there was no excuses in it. Yeah. I think it's, it's really important to understand that this is, this is a process and it is a coaching environment where when we step into this for the first time, it is going to feel uncomfortable. It may feel like shaming, but it's really important that the leader is modeling it like you said, but I would say also that you provide context when you're bringing somebody else into this, when you start bringing other people into this context and saying, okay, we're going to talk about your commitment. The rest of the team is here. When we're in this space, I want you to know this is a safe place. This is coaching. I'm not trying to shame you at all. What we're trying to do here is understand the value of commitment. We are here to, to really dig into this and everybody's going to go through this, including myself. This is the kind of culture that we want to have here. And therefore, we're going to start modeling this. It's going to be uncomfortable at first. Realize that it's going to be. It may bring up emotions. You may cry at certain points. That's okay. This is a place. This is a safe place. We want you to grow personally. We are committed to helping you grow personally. And we are in this process with you. And there's two tweaks I would offer there, Craig. Okay. You know, I'm the wordsmith and the, yep. the word listener. I will tell you, I am hesitant to tell people what something is not 
because it usually plants the seed that it gets. Oh, okay, good point. Without intending it. So I will typically not say to the group, this, this is not about shaming you. Okay. Because if I, especially if I, I don't want to say that over and over because that can feel like, depending on where trust is, that can feel like, hey, I'm about to do it, but I'm telling you it's not. <laughs> right. So I'm point. careful about how we use that word. The other part is it's really important when you're bringing this process in to start with I statements. If yeah. you come into a situation and say, you need to be more accountable, so we're going to do this, no. Even when you do the we, it can feel like they say, yeah, you're really talking about us. And they're going, yeah, but he or she's not accountable. This is where you come in and I, you say, look, I've realized that I am not as accountable as I want to be. And I see that around here as well, but I want to start with me. Mm-hmm. And this is a new approach we're going to take, which I think is supportive for everyone, but I'm going to be leading the charge on it, which means I'm the one that's going to be stepping out. And when you see me out of account, if I miss it, then I want you to come to me with this question and say, are you open to some support around accountability? Oh, so start so with yourself before you start bringing it to the team. Yes. And I agree with you. I'd, I'd say, you know, it may be three weeks, it may be two months. Um, it's it's going to have to be a while for people to say, oh, all right, he's serious. I, I would say do it until people start coming up and asking you about that that question. And I would say, you know, there may be times where you want to intentionally be out of accountability so that it's an opportunity for learning for your team. Especially when you have situations where you find a clear choice that can be really educational. Right. That does make sense because you can use it because people need to learn. There's a new muscle. They're not used to thinking this way. Yes. I even would tell you, depending on if it's not a public room, I would get the questions, put them up on a big sheet, have them up on the wall. Oh, so good. So, cause you, th- people need to learn this. It's a formula. Yeah. And the words don't change. This is the process. We're going to do this. So they see it. They know it's front and center. They know this is one of our commitments as an organization, as a team. Ah. Put it up there. Wow. This is, this is so impactful, Jeff. I, I have not walked through this kind of process before and I have learned so much here. Thank you for sharing this with us. And man, I'm, I'm looking forward to, well, sort of kind of <laughs> looking forward to implementing this in Cartevera and making sure that we are an accountable organization and that we are, you know, fully open and, and trusting in that as well. Wow. Any, any last thoughts here, Jeff? No, it's, it's along the lines of what you said, Craig. I think that we, we believe we're much more accountable than we are. The path to getting what we say we want is self-accountability. Yeah. This process works, and it is a significant shift. You yeah. cannot de- dip your toe in the water here. You can start in small steps, but it takes a commitment to really implement this. Most organizations who have seen and heard this struggle mightily because they don't really dive into it and they they step along and they go no let's go back to the old way and or as some situations i've had this happen once i did a whole workshop on this and the leader of the organization i heard the following monday got their team together and said hey that stuff jeff said was great but you know sometimes we just gotta really beat someone down oh no oh what's wrong with people so it was almost over Ah. Because people were liking it because people were coming up saying, 
man, I really like this. And that I saw, I know that bat. I know I looking around the room, I can tell you who's got the bat here. Yeah. So they were seeing a glimmer of change and the CEO two days later says, yeah, but sometimes you just got to smack people down. Here's something that I would say I, I was just thinking about, okay, that's what the CEO says within your team. You can choose to do this. It doesn't have to be organizational wide. What you're going to see is your team is going to improve in performance. Your team is going to say, wow, you know, I have this trusted group. We are building trust on a constant basis because of this accountability. It's going to be a, a game changer. And then the CEO is going to look at it and say, well, crap, why didn't I implement this before? Why didn't I listen to Jeff? Yeah. And I love that. And thanks for that reminder, Craig, because what I love about so many of the things you and I talk about, they don't require approval from the so-called. <laughs> right. You can right. just start doing them because you start with yourself. Even if this isn't a corporate initiative, you start with yourself doing this and people are going to notice. They're going to say, wow, oh, yeah. that was amazing. He or she just stepped right into it and took ownership of that. Yeah. Wow. And you can model up, right? You say, hey, you know what, boss, I, I did not meet my commitment. This is, you know, walk through the process. But I think what will happen is you're going to see a shift in the organization around those people. And frankly, I, you know, it looks really uncomfortable. But once somebody gets into that space, they will never want to work for another manager again. And I guarantee you, your guiding principles in your company do not say, do not have an accountability culture in your team. Exactly. There's two really golden nuggets in this that may not be obvious from using this process and approach. One is notice how in the process, trust is almost always going to be discussed. Yeah. So now you have created a conversation around trust, mm. which most organizations don't have and avoid, but the process makes it a natural outcome. Trust is a natural outcome of this approach. So now we're talking about trust, which carries over to other parts of our trust issues, because now we can talk about it. Because when I can look you in the eye and say, my guess is the impact is you don't trust me. Instead of you telling me that, which is hard, me saying, my guess is you don't trust me. And you're probably going, yeah, I don't. Now it's, it's, we've given air to it and we can address our trust issues versus burying them and pretending they don't exist. Yeah. Wow. That is so good. And, you know, it's like Larry English said, he's, he said that vulnerability is what the gateway, the shortcut, the, the shortcut, shortcut to trust. And this really creates that, that vulnerability. We have to be vulnerable in this process because we're exposing ourselves and our decisions. We're exposing that we didn't meet commitments. This is not a comfortable conversation. And I guarantee, you know, if, if you have enough of these conversations, either somebody's going to choose to leave because they're not going to be accountable or they choose to stay, they're going to transform and it's going to change their lives as well as the organization. And that's the other golden nugget. When I said a moment ago, there are two, this is a revealing process with your people. <laughs> yes. Because you will find out who cares about their integrity and who doesn't. Mm. Wow. Great point. And that's a bit, if I know that about my people, Thank you very much for letting me know. Wow. It's worth the investment. So thank you again, Jeff. I, I really enjoyed this conversation and I can see some, some changes both in our professional lives, but also in my personal life. So put the fantastic. stick away. Folks. 
put the stick away and pick up the question. (laughs) That's right. All right. Well, thanks again. Uh, Great to be here. And we'll talk to you soon in the next podcast episode. If you like this podcast, you'll love the Cartavera Tribe. The Cartavera Tribe is a community of growth-committed leaders who want to connect, engage, and grow themselves, their people, and their businesses. Cartavera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, assessments, and events to challenge you and help you grow. And the Cartavera Tribe is a membership like none other. You'll get live access to Craig and Jeff where you can ask questions, as well as masterminds where you can get answers from other leaders who've already solved your greatest challenges. You'll have access to additional interviews and a variety of courses, tools, and resources to help you achieve your biggest goals. We have monthly game days where we have challenges and competitive games to help you grow your leadership capabilities. And you'll get a personal growth Sherpa who will guide you to help you reach your growth goals. To find out more, go to cartavera.com. That's C-A-R-D-I-V-E-R-A.com. See you on the inside. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.